0: Okay. Um, there was a line that we sing that is perfect for what I want to share today. So I, I, want, to, I want to read it to us uh, and then jump into what I want to share with us today. It says, Oh, praise the one who paid my debt. The truth is, it's hard to sing that unless you understand that there's a debt to be paid, which there is. But when you understand that, we get to, in these moments, and for what I'm going to talk about today, we get to enjoy the greater joy. Which is what I'm going to talk about. Because He paid for us what we couldn't. And the joy in that is understanding our, your inability to save yourself. And we're indebted to a Savior that proved Himself to us Physically, by literally coming to the earth to lay his life down for us, and, and we get to experience that. And I, I I I don't want you know I always hate to be like oh man this is going to be a great word because you just never know. But I feel um, that God has something this morning that He wants to do in the form of a breakthrough. We're at the end of this series called Begin Again. We've been talking about this idea of like how do we continue to get back up? How do we continue to move forward in a life that will constantly be hitting you in the face? I fell over yesterday. is real fun and a workout. Running backwards, you should watch like where you're going. I wasn't. I fell over. It was painful. You know what? I didn't wallow in the road, though I wanted to because my elbow still hurts. Um, I got back up, and we do that naturally. If you fall over right now, no one in here is going to hopefully fall over and just say well, i 'm done, I'm not getting back up i 'm just going to sit here and somebody can just bring me dinner and you know <laughs> breakfast tomorrow and you know we get it, it is in our nature if it is possible to get back up, and all we want to talk about all I want to talk about today is the reality is. Like, I don't want this to be just something that we talked about for four weeks, something that, you know, you separated yourself and decided you were going to fast something for these 21 days and whether it was social media, whether it was food, whether it was adding something to that, like, man, I'm going to get in the word. And my hope is that during these 21 days, there's been change. There's been something that you, maybe it's not a breakthrough necessarily, but you can see like this. I'm starting to get traction. I'm starting to move forward. We want that. So the first thing that you can do, just like Greg said, um, I think tonight's going to be very important for some people. Um, it's going to be uh, from 6 to 7.30 here. We're going to... Take out this wall, add a few more chairs. We're gonna have uh, prayer areas during the whole worship. So if there's something you need prayer for, like there'll be people during the whole time to pray for you. Uh, and I believe that there is something that happens when we worship because hopefully worship is singing these words like "Oh praise the one who paid my debt." That it, it's it's communicating what is actually going on inside of you. That and I think that's ultimately what. You know, where Megan got emotional a second ago is it's not just a song. It's not just staying in tune. You know, (laughs) the closer you get to the front, the danger you get of hearing me sing because I don't really care. I mean, I care enough not to turn on my microphone or get in front of a microphone, but like that's not. The point The point is saying, we're belie- when we believe these words that we're singing, there's transformation that happens. So we want um, you to be there tonight. And so what I want to do today, and here, here's my one thing. My title today is called Greater Joy, and you'll understand why in just a minute. My one thing that I want us to walk away from is a pursuit of God is a pursuit of our greatest joy. And I think we'll see that in the text. The tension with that is truth be known. It is easier to settle for less. It's easier to spiritually fall on the ground and just stay on the ground and wallow in the mud of whatever. It's easier. But it it doesn't bring you joy. It's not going to bring you peace. It's not going to satisfy you. You're going to Eventually, feel worse about yourself staying on the ground, even though it's more difficult to stand up and keep moving forward. And so before we get into, we're going to be in Mark 8. Let me pray. Lord, I acknowledge my weakness. My inability in the next 25 minutes to bring breakthrough to bring change. Because I don't have that power. But Lord, with that, I acknowledge you do. I acknowledge that your words have power when we act on them. So Lord, as we hear your dialogue With your disciples, Lord, I pray that we would hear your voice speaking to our heart, Lord, that it would resonate in us and we would desire to continue on. We would desire to listen and be obedient because we understand that pursuing you is pursuing our greatest joy. So open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to see, hear, and respond to your truth. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So Mark 8, a lot of things, and if you were here last week, we talked about Peter, which is past this. Peter uh, was told by Jesus that he would deny him, and he, you know, foolishly said that he wouldn't. When God tells you you're going to do something, acknowledge that you're probably going to do it. Um, he didn't. I mean, he went as far as, you know, chopping off somebody's ear, which we talked about how hilarious it is to swing and only cut off someone's ear. Just full heartedly. Um and we talked about how important that restoration was for Peter. So I I want to back up a little bit and talk about something that happens in Mark 8, but let me let's lead up to that. So in uh, right before the text that we're going to be in, which is verse 34, uh, a few pieces or paces before that you hear this dialogue that has been already had with Herod so Herod is asking like who is Jesus he's asking people like is is he John the Baptist that has come back is he Elijah that's returned is who is he and so Jesus being Jesus is under he's aware of this conversation that's floating around the area of who he is and so he presents this same question to his disciples and he says to his guys who am I and they present similar information that was already regurgitated when Herod he is you know, some people say this. This is what they say. Some people say that you are John the Baptist brought back. Some people say that you're Elijah. Some people say that you're this. And Jesus turns this question back. And the guy who answers it is the same guy we talked about last week, he said, no, 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 no. Who do you say that I am? Because it doesn't matter hear this it doesn't matter what you say other people say about jesus it doesn't matter what you say historians say about jesus it doesn't matter what i say about jesus for you the only thing that matters is what you say about who jesus is because the the thing that makes jesus who he is to us is what we believe that he is and so peter says that you are the christ the messiah which is a big deal He said, this is Peter that denies Jesus a little bit later. This is Peter who cuts off uh, my man's ear that Jesus picks up and puts back on his face. And he says, you are the Christ. And Jesus says, it is not you. It is not flesh and bones that gave you this reality. But the, the father deposited this in to you. This is it. And can you imagine, Peter? He's like, yeah, I heard from the father. And the father is hearing from me. Can you imagine like he's going, yes, the father has just spoken through me. Maybe Peter's feeling really good about himself and he, you know, is a little shiny and a little bit later, right after this. And, you know, in the text, we don't know how quickly this is. We don't know if this is a day later, an hour later, a few minutes later. Uh, All we do know is that a few, you know, a section later, Jesus is telling them, hey, guys. I'm going to suffer and die at the hands of the leaders. And Peter, who just said that you are the Christ, the Messiah, he basically just said, you are God. Now, God's telling him what is going to happen through Jesus. Like, this is what's going to happen. And Peter says, no rebuking jesus is not a good idea either which he does he tells jesus no that will not happen and what does jesus say to peter get thee behind me satan so god speaks to peter you are the christ jesus tells peter he's basically satan I mean, so just a confusing little bit that's going on. So this is what's happening right before verse 34. And so Jesus is getting ready to tell his disciples. He's just told them he's going to die. And we understand when he says, we're going to talk about, you know, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. We're going to talk about that. We understand the cross concept because it has happened historically already to us, meaning we know what's coming next. To the disciples, they weren't exactly sure what is going to happen, but they're familiar with the crucifixion. They're familiar with the reality that those that are condemned carry the cross to their death. And so after these things, after Jesus has acknowledged that, yes, I am the Christ, the Messiah, through Peter, after he tells them, I am going to die, and rebukes Peter, he gives them instructions on how to carry on, how to continue to follow Jesus. Because if our greatest joy is following Jesus, he's going to give them instructions on what that looks like. And so Mark 8, verse 34. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples. So hear this. This isn't just his, his eleven, his twelve. He, he's calling those that are following him. And there's speculation that at times there was up to 100 people following him. I don't know if you, it, sometimes you, we take for granted what's going on. But uh, I don't know if you remember the dialogue where um, Jesus is going through the fields and his disciples are picking grain and the Pharisees make comments like, how dare they do that? It's a Sabbath. Well, how would they know that if they weren't walking with him through the fields? There were lots of other people that are literally following Jesus around. And so Jesus calls this group of people, including his disciples, and he says to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Because the truth is, and this is what I'm saying with greater joy, his way is better, period. His way is better. The problem is, is until we're ready to surrender to that, we're going to debate that. We're going to say, no, 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 this is a better decision. I'm not sure Jesus would would make this same call if he knew all the circumstances. And he's saying, hey, look, look, if you're going to come after me, if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to deny yourself. Temporarily. And denying yourself it is choosing a lesser thing for a greater thing. You trust these words. John Piper says this it says, there is more gain in following Jesus even with suffering than there is walking away with him, even with ten thousand earthly benefits there's more gain, anything that we would give up, anything that we would say, Oh, I want this. Jesus is saying, I and better, I and more. What you get from following me will trump that little pittle thing that you think I must have. The taking up your cross meant To treasure Jesus more than treasure human approval, honor, comfort, and life. Our suffering is not a tribute to Jesus unless we endure it because we cherish Jesus. Because he is our treasure. Suffering is not not beneficial to us unless we're suffering because we treasure something greater. And I'm not just talking about like... Oh, you know, because sometimes I think we, we look at this, take up your cross. That just means I'm going to be burdened my whole life. That doesn't necessarily mean pain and suffering. That doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be battered and abused because of your faith. What it means is that you're going to choose Christ over everything else. Your, your choice is going to be picking up this thing is a measure to worship Jesus because you understand that the approval honor and comfort and life that comes from these other things isn't what you desire the truth is most of us over you know ripe age of like 12 realize that most things that we desire most things that we fight for in the end don't satisfy us i'm old enough at the ripe old age of 43 To understand that all of those things that I've chased, not to say that I have mastered the chase or the denial of the chase. But all of those things that my heart longs for, the now things, aren't going to give me what I think they're going to give me. I'll lie to myself and go, maybe it'll be different this time. Maybe this time it will be different. And so Jesus continues on with this line of thought. He says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. And he's going to explain what this looks like. It says, for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. So what is he talking about? He's talking about like if you choose to save your now life, the now pleasure, the temporary now comforts, you're going to lose the life that you desire. If your benefit is only like, I just need it now, then you're going to chase these things that won't give you what you want. And at the end of that pursuit, at the end of that chase, you're going to come up with empty hands, with nothing that has satisfied your soul. If you're going to choose the now over the later, you're going to come up with something. Because he's saying if you're going to pursue to save your life now, I'm telling you, this this goes down even, and and this is where I'm a defend like I I I try to defend my honor all the time, mostly with my wife. She's not here, so I can talk about her. You know, when when the truth is sometimes it just takes a humility of going, I'm sorry. Instead of just going, well, um, I and I'm like, I'm trying to save this, save face or I'm trying to save like I really didn't mean it like that or whatever. I'm trying to defend something that I could just as easily say I was wrong because I knew it was wrong. I just didn't want to be that wrong. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Like, I know I was wrong. I know I crossed the line. I know I said I know blah, blah, blah. But I just want you to know I'm not that bad. It's choosing to just, in that moment, accept that the life, if, if we just let all of the now things go, and I don't mean like, hey, we're all going to buy some property, and we're going to live together with animals. do y'all get a puppy? That's super cute in the background. Y'all have like a door, like everybody's like, oh. Maybe it's just me. Um, like, we're going to have a communion. We're going to come together, and we're not going to pursue anything. And we're just going to sit and wait and trust in the Lord, And which I'm not against that necessarily, but I don't think that's what they're calling. Go to work tomorrow. Continue to feed your family. Continue to do the things that you're doing now, but it's changing the why you're doing those. Cause the Savior life is going, I have to make money. I have to have these things. I have to have these possessions to, to, to bring my identity of who I am. I have to let, you know, have these things so that I can. Instead of, if you just decide, God, you're more important than all those things. And if I never have any of them, I'm okay. Cause you're my greater joy. But if you let go of those things for the greater, you'll find life, you'll find joy, you'll find peace. See, the more you fight to make this life the most important thing, the more you will change the now. You will exchange the lesser for the greater. And this is the story. He's saying, hey, the things that you think that you want, he's like, deny yourself. He's not trying to, and I think this is how most people look at Christianity. It like that, oh, this cosmic God is just trying to rob all the suck all the fun out of the world. No, he's trying to bring you greater joy. Because the truth is 90% of what we pursue, like pursue, um, gets us nowhere, and it typically hurts other people and ourselves. I mean, I I'm a sucker for I got this, God. You just sit down over there and I'll take care of this. And three days later, I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, Lord. <laughs> we should have gone in together. It, it's, it's completely different. But when you decide, hey, my life is his and I'm going to let it be his every day. And, and this isn't a, okay, like I think sometimes we look at salvation as this moment. Yes, I'm denying myself. I'm taking up my cross. I'm following Jesus. And that's a moment. But what he's talking about is a lifestyle, which is what's going to transform and change us. It's not just like, hey, I had a moment of whatever, and I'm choosing this greater joy, and I'm I've got this greater joy, and I'm gonna put this greater joy in my pocket, and I'm gonna carry it around, and then, then I'm gonna get I'm gonna be bold and I'm gonna carry my cross. I don't have one on, but you know, we put it around our neck and we carry our cross. And we let that be the only part of our life that's connected to this one who paid our debt. He wants every bit of you because at the end of you giving every bit of you, you get him. You get life. You get joy. And the benefit of those things is it benefits those around you. You have a husband or a wife that chooses to let the the Jesus, the, the later Jesus be his treasure, and not chase for and fight for the now things that are limited in what they can give you, it'll change your relationship. It'll change the way you respond. I mean, when when I'm choosing the now is when I'm choosing to defend myself. When I'm not willing to humbly say, I was wrong. Forgive me. Refusing the crossed cross is trusting in self-salvation, which we we wouldn't say that. We wouldn't say we're trying to save ourselves, but the truth is many of us are living in that lifestyle right now where we're choosing to save ourselves by X. We're believing in our good behavior. We're believing in our good effort. We're believing that in that beautiful box over there that looks like a toolbox, the things that we put in that are in which he's going to get there in just a second. How can we how can we buy our soul? Like how can we pay for it back? But when we're trusting in other things other than Jesus to bring us salvation, we're trusting in something that's outside of Him. We're refusing the cross. And Inver- continue on in verse thirty six. It says. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? What, what, is, what is it going to get you? Like how many people, and I love this, I heard this from another pastor. Like how many, how many funerals have you been to that there's like a U-Haul? Hooked to the hearse. Like all these worldly possessions that you've amassed, and now I'm putting them in there and I'm taking them with me. No. The moment you're out of here... The moment you are no more present on this planet, all of the things, all of the treasures that you strive for and, and, and sold your soul for and deprived your kids from you because of your pursuit of this treasure, they go to someone else. Actually, most of the time, families fight over it. It's crazy. That they'll fight over this one thing that didn't do anything for the person who's now dead. Like we don't present gifts to the Father. You know, we we aren't like the Egyptian kings that have these treasures around us for our next life. These things all around us are just mere tools to help us navigate this world. But at the end of those, it's nothing. What does it profit a whole man? Like, what what is the benefit of you having all of this money if in the middle of that you don't have peace or joy? The, The rate of depression and suicide for those that have lots of money is higher for those that have less. The anxiety doesn't go away when you get more money. There is no magic number in your bank account that you're like, if I can get there. And I understand if you're struggling financially, you feel like, oh. It will be, it, and it'll probably be a breath of fresh air, but it won't save you. It won't fix the issue with what's going on inside of you. It says in thirty-seven, it says, "For what can a man give in return for his soul? Nothing. There is no, there is no thing that you can at one point later in life justify the sacrificing of your devotion to the Father for." Like, well, Lord, even, and let me just say this, even ministry. Lots of pastors have have lost their families in the pursuit of this thing because they treasured the title. They treasured the, the acclaim that comes from, and I'm not talking about big church. I'm just talking about like a being that more than they treasured Jesus. God isn't going to see me at the gates, and I don't, there's gates, I don't want to get into that conversation, but I don't think if you and I were standing there, he's going to be like, oh, he's ministry 17 years i mean youth ministry nine years i think there should be like some treasure for that one but you know there's not going to be like oh my gosh it's going to be did you trust and believe in me so you could be a successful businessman you could be a a a stay-at-home mom and have the same same excitement from the uh, entry into heaven than a worker of the gospel because it's about what you've treasured because i can do all of this and not treasure him as much as you can do all of what you do and not treasure him because he's saying at the end of that and the truth is we have to we're going to pick a treasure you have already picked a treasure you're living for a treasure right now it is it is why you get up in the morning you treasuring something and that may not be money but it might be identity It might be position. It might be something else. We are willingly right now operating under the pursuit of a treasure. Think about that when you have time later on. The now treasure is one option or the greatest treasure. And this is our, this is going to be our fight. And this is what we're wrestling with right now during this you know 21 days i've been doing intermittent fasting which is like i've told my family just to be wary of me between like 10:30 and 12 cuz i'm hangry by that point and i'm like lord i need you i'm desperate For this, even in these moments. It it makes us realize how easily our flesh will rule and reign. And there, you know, there's literally been moments during this that it's probably not been good that I have fasted. I talked to one dad, he's not in the room right now, but he was like, it's not good for me to diet. For my children. (laughs) They'll live longer if I'm well fed. And it's true. That we're, we're going to choose one or the other. And, and part of this 21 days of prayer and fasting is help reset some of that. Because sometimes we're just making it through life and, and we, we don't even realize what we're doing. We don't realize that we're, we're doing these things for the wrong treasure, for the wrong end. Verse 38. He said, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, Of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. See, part of your burden may be what you believe. Or how you believe. And I don't mean like this belligerent, uh, not even going to talk about it a video that I saw, but I don't want you to ever see it. But let's just say there was a lady in a store, and she's trying to save people, but cussing at them, at the same, calling them horrible, horrible names. Tell them that they're going to burn in hell. I'm horrible. Don't. I feel like I've enticed you already. You're going to be like, oh my gosh. But like that's not what I'm talking about. That that is not what ashamed it's when we make those choices for the later instead of the now, some of that's going to rub other people because they don't like the conviction that it brings. When you decide like this isn't acceptable for me anymore and you stop doing X and your friends that you did X with are like, hey, why aren't we going to do whatever? You're like, you know, I can't. I, I can't anymore. Like I, I can't live in that place and, and treasure him because it's it's destroying me. Whoever is ashamed of my words in this, you know, I don't know it sounds. I mean, can you imagine Jesus using the words adulterous and sinful generation? I mean, they didn't have smartphones. I'll say a word. They didn't have internet pornography They didn't have half of the things that we have readily accessible to us right now, here in this room. And the adulteress, I don't think is literally just saying, like, oh, they're going around sleeping with everybody. I think this is, this is a heart that won't stay connected to the groom, which I believe he's referring to Jesus this adulterous that they would, they would choose one over another, that they have this connection with one, but they're going to choose the other. And he said, "If you're going to uh, be ashamed of me, to them, to those people that have decided I'm going to treasure something else, then you've missed it already." And the question comes up is, whose approval matters? Whose approval matters? If Jesus isn't the top of that list, it's dangerous what we'll do to win the approval of someone else that doesn't matter. I'm not saying they don't matter, but their opinion of you doesn't matter. How many of us right now in this room need, don't raise your hand, therapy because of other people's opinions about you? I've been scarred because of things from middle school words, that, that I'm just a little side note here. Sticks and stones will break my bones, but we're, that is a lie. How many of you right now won't do something because of something someone said to you? Pillsbury Doughboy, beefer. I mean, I literally had people come poke me in my stomach and giggle like the Pillsbury Doughboy. Traumatized. I mean, still I'm 43 years old. I'm like. Uh maybe that's why i get up at 4 40 every morning and go work out i don't know we'll debate that later but whose approval matters if we're after this greater joy the only approval that's going to or needs to matter is what jesus says and speaks about you what he's calling you to Deny, pick up your cross, and I like that it says your. Don't pick up someone else's, pick up your cross. What is Jesus telling you to like, hey, this is the thing that you need to just carry with you and follow me? Listen to this out of Philippians 3. And this is Paul from prison talking about the value of choosing a greater joy. Starting in verse 8. It says, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. And this isn't words just because like I'm in prison now and I don't have those things in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness, a self-salvation, a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and may share His suffering, becoming like Him in His death. That by all, sorry, by any means possible, I may obtain the resurrection from the dead. Because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Paul was willing cast it all away. He was literally willing. There was one point where he knew. He had been prophesied. Like you're going to. If you go back to Jerusalem. You're going. You're, you're being arrested. They're going to take you. Somebody literally gave him a word. And took off his belt. And tied up his arms. He says he. Who wears this belt. Will be chained up. And you know what he does? He goes. Because he felt like that's where he was supposed to go. This is the same guy who preached in prison. So that the whole Roman guard knew of Jesus. Because he decided that his life was secondary to the greater joy. So two questions. I'm going to get our worship team to come back up front. So one question in a statement. Here's the first question. Do you know him like that? Do you know him like that so that you can make these decisions? Because it's, it's one thing to say it's greater joy, and it's another thing to believe that he is, believe that choosing him will bring that about. And if you don't, what are you willing to do to get there? My hope is that if you're in this room, you're at least interested with the reality that Jesus could be everything that you need to satisfy you, to bring you joy, to bring you peace. And so my, my, my encouragement to you is what are you willing to do to see that come to be? And my call for us this morning is that we would choose the greater joy, because that's what it is. And if we don't look at it that way, we'll be fighting and struggling with these two different worlds. Looking for this one now world to give me what Jesus has already said we're only going to get from Him. And allowing that to change us. And so what we're going to do, we're going to go back in. We have one more song. And the beauty of having one song at the end is that right now, wrestle. Right now, ask. Like, God, what do you want? Like, I want to get to that place. And it's okay. Like, God is okay with your doubt. God is okay with you being undecided at the moment his pursuit is still the same but at some point you have to ask yourself do I know him like that I mean because look at look at Peter Peter's like you are the Christ the Messiah a little bit later he rebukes God the Christ the Messiah a little bit later he denies him three times but I, I believe in his imperfection Paul guided Peter got it finally and that's the grace of God. is He's patient with you. He's patient to bring you to that place that you can step into that reality. So I challenge you, wrestle with it. If you're not there, then wrestle. God, how do I get there? Show me that you are the greatest joy. Show me that you are worth giving up everything for. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, Lord, we just ask as we as we sing here, as we lift our voices, as we um, <laughs> communicate words that are in a song, Lord, I pray that you would do something in our heart. Lord, we are a people that are all about trying to save ourselves. We are a people that are constantly trying to justify the, the what we're doing and the why we're doing it. Instead of trusting in you, and Lord, I pray that you would, you would break that in us. that you would help us humbly come to the cross. And so Lord, and communicate and, and to say with our own lips that you are the Christ. And Lord, I pray that you would help us live in this place of, of denying the now for this greater joy, that You would willingly help us willingly pick up our cross and follow You. Because in that, we are pursuing something that will satisfy our soul, that will benefit those around us, that will change our community and our families. And Lord, help us begin again now. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.